0: Thank you, Lord. Y'all, just help me real quick. Let's just welcome the Holy Spirit into this place. Holy Ghost, this is your service. Lord, we're going to do what you asked us to do today, tonight. We give you just uh, permission, even though you don't need our permission, but our willingness. I give you my willingness to speak through me. Lord, give me boldness to share the word that you've given me and accuracy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Y'all give me one second here. Let me turn this on. Amen. You know the Lord had us sing that song. I want to see your face. It's there's no coincidence. The Lord put that song in my in our spirit. Me and my wife were singing that this morning in our home, and I want to teach on some things. I feel like that's what the Holy Ghost is doing tonight. He wants me to share a few things with you, um, and so I want to kind of start by saying this. I had a supernatural encounter with Jesus today. Um, Where I saw some things in the spirit and and before I tell you what I saw I want to teach you out of the word because I already know and the Lord told me when I share with you what I'm going to share with you There's so many people. They're so skeptical Uh, Part of me is like I shouldn't even have to to, you know really cater to that skepticism But the other part of me the Lord kind of corrected me when I started thinking that this afternoon I was like Lord you know, I already know I'm going to share some things that you, that, you, that you showed me and there's going to be people, I don't know if they're on, in the room or they're watching online, they're going to be just so skeptical, they're going to scoff. And the Bible says don't stifle the Holy Spirit, don't scoff at prophecy, uh, and, but the Lord said I want you to teach them so that they can begin to encounter me at, at such a greater level. And and the Lord began to show me some things in the scripture today that just, it really blew me away. And whenever I put it into action, I, I had an immediate encounter with Jesus when I began to put my faith behind these things that he showed me in the scripture. And so I want you to understand this. You can have supernatural encounters with Jesus. You know, let me just show you some things. Look at 2 Corinthians 3. 17 i'm going to lead you down the rabbit trail that he led me down this morning and then share an encounter that i had second corinthians 3 and with that encounter a word about our country about the years that we're stepping into about the timeline that we're in and that we're on and i want to say you know we have some youth students with us tonight guys so the Lord's just been opening up some different things here, and uh I'm going to minister to you prophetically tonight, and I almost want to tell you it, it's very different. the first time that I really heard somebody like a prophet minister it it it, it kind of, it's just very, it's very different. It's very different than just your normal preaching and teaching thing. And so you'll see that tonight. So I just ask you, open up your hearts. Jesus has a message that he wants to, to get to you. He's going to speak to you tonight. He's going to show you some awesome things. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18, I want you to see this. It says, when, when someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Also, the Lord told me to say this before I get into the scripture. There was two people specifically this afternoon when I was preparing this word. I saw them in my spirit, and the Lord showed me that he was going to reveal amazing things to them. Both of those people are not here tonight. Uh, I say that because I feel like I'm not going to say the names of those people, but I, I feel like maybe they went through a battle today or a discouragement or something, some reason, some excuse why I did not come Uh, and unfortunately tonight they gave into that temptation and I, and I specifically felt two people that were just going to have this light bulb encounter with the Lord tonight and receive revelation and neither one are here. And so I want to encourage you with this. Don't miss stuff. Amen. Don't let the devil pull you away and discourage you and and give you a hundred thousand reasons of why you shouldn't come. I want to tell you every person in this room if we went and sat down and tried to make a list, everybody could come up with ten reasons or ten things that you could be doing other than what you're doing right now, tonight. And they're all from hell. They're all from the devil. And they're all to keep you from what the Lord has for you. But everybody else that's here, you're still going to receive something good. So it says, um, for whenever we turn to the Lord, the veil's taken away for where the spirit of the Lord is. For, where the, for the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I want you to see this, guys. The Lord is spirit. Okay, you have to understand this. Man is, is three-part. You, you, you are a spirit. You have a body, and you have a soul. Your soul is your mind, will, and your emotions. Guys, the problem is, is that as Christians, we just live in the flesh. We live in this earthly realm, this flesh suit. You know, your whole existence is what you can see in the person that you see in the mirror. And I remember, uh, I've told some of you this, but I've been teaching my daughter to pray. One time we were walking down the driveway, and I was trying to teach her how to hear the Holy Spirit. And I said, okay, I want you to hear the Lord. And, and we began to get quiet, and we were walking, and she said, Daddy, you know, I don't hear anything. And I told her, I said, honey, it's because you're trying to hear with your, with your, with your physical ear. But the Bible says that, this, that the Lord is spirit. Amen. Amen. That means that if you, need to, if you want to hear from the Lord or encounter the Lord, what does that mean? You don't encounter him in the flesh. You encounter him in the spirit. Yeah. So you have to learn how to walk in the spirit. And we're, I'm going to show you a, probably a, le, a layer or a realm of this that a lot of people are ignorant of. Uh, so the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. It says, so all of us have had that veil removed, and look at this, and can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. The Bible says that we can see the glory of the Lord. Can you say see? See. If this is echoing, I need you guys to fix this. It's kind of bothering me a little bit, if you would. You can see the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, look again. it, it says it again, who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So I want you to see this. You can see the glory of the Lord. Okay. Turn to 2 Corinthians 4, the next chapter, read verse 5 and 6. It says this. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And we are uh, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus sake, for God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God. Look at this. We could know the glory of God that is seen, say seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you all have that those scriptures up for me? 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 6. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness. I really want you guys to see this. I sent it over to you. Yes. It says, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts. 2 Corinthians 4, this is verse 6. So that we could know the glory of God that is seen. Say seen. So it says the glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. I want you to see that. So go back up to what we just read in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. Now because the veil's been removed, you can see the glory of God. You can see and reflect the glory. You can see the glory. You can reflect the glory. Where's the glory? The glory is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So that means if you can see the glory of God, you can see the face of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Guys, did did you know that there's a place that you can enter in the spirit where you can actually see Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we write books because there's one Christian that taps into this and they have encounters where they see Jesus and we think that they're special people, that they're like the one out of the million that have actually seen him. You can actually see Jesus. It, the glory is seen in the face of Jesus Christ and now because the veil's been removed, we can see the glory. Hallelujah. I begin to, the Lord began to lead me down this rabbit trail. If that's not true... Why would the Bible say, look at Hebrews 12, 2. Hebrews 12, 2. We'll go ahead and we'll read verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Look at this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Why would the Bible tell you to keep your eyes on Jesus if you could not see him? Just think about this. I, the Bible wouldn't tell you keep your eyes on Jesus if it was impossible to put your eyes on Jesus. How do you put your eyes on Jesus? I think that what we do in the modern time is we just try to philosophize everything away and water it down. And Well, this is what it really means. No, what the Bible, is, it, sa- it means what it says. There's actually a place in the spirit where you can see the glory of God, which is in the face of Jesus Christ, where you can see Jesus in your spirit. Hallelujah. Look at Hebrews four 16. I'll have y'all jumping around a little bit tonight. Hebrews 4, 16. It says this. Look at, look at verse 14 first, and then we'll read through 16. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven... Jesus, who's that high priest, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Look at verse 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. I began to ask my wife this earlier. I said, what do you think it means to come before the throne? And she's just like, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, does it mean reading your Bible? Does it mean prayer? Does it? No, I mean, it literally means what it says. In the Spirit, Jesus has entered heaven as our high priest. We can come boldly in the Spirit before the throne of God. You know that people in the Bible actually saw things. They actually had encounters because they learned how to, in the Spirit, Access this place. So it says, come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and find grace. Say grace. grace. To help us when we need it most. I love what Pastor Tanner was just saying a minute ago, talking about the grace of God. The grace of God, is is it's it, it can be multiple things, but it's God's power coming upon your life. Guys, did you know that, that you can enter into the spirit and actually stand face to face and see his face, see Jesus Christ and, and receive things from him for your life. Do you know the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever? Yeah. You know, and so one of the attributes of the Messiah, you read Isaiah 53 verse 5, that when he came in Isaiah, uh, Matthew eight seventeen, it says the same thing. One of the attributes of the Messiah is he takes our sicknesses and removes our diseases. I actually put this into practice today. This wasn't my encounter. But when I begin to, in the spirit, kind of come into this place with the Lord, you can go before Jesus and and, and receive things from him. Go before Jesus and receive grace. Go before Jesus and receive the things that you need. Lord, I need a healing. Now, you can actually go before Jesus in the spirit and reach out. And touch Jesus in the spirit and receive. And because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same virtue, the same anointing, the same power you can receive from him. Guys, I'm telling you, God is spirit. That means you got to stop looking and listening with your physical eyes. You have to learn. The Bible talks about in Romans chapter 8, walking in the spirit. Hallelujah. So let me kind of. You could say, John, I think maybe you're taking this too far. No, I'm not. I'm going to show you several New Testament examples. Revelation 1.10. Look what Apostle John said. They understood what I'm telling you right now. They literally understood and they utilized the heck out of going into the Spirit to Jesus face to face and going before the throne of God in the Spirit and receiving things from the throne of God. You know, in the spirit, you can go before Jesus. He'll tell you things about your life. Hallelujah. That's why I don't understand Christians when they're wanting direction. You'll never find it. Because too many people, you're just running around asking everybody what they think you are and what you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. You can, in the spirit, go straight to him and he'll tell you all things pertaining to your life. Revelation one ten. it says, John said this, It was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the Spirit. Suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. Wow. I was worshiping in the Spirit. Whenever you read that, that implies that that was something that this person did, and he did frequently. That he he had encounters, and this is just one. The whole book of Revelation, the book of Revelation, is just one of the encounters that's recorded that John had, because he learned how to access the throne of God, the throne room, in the spirit, and the whole book of Revelation is just the encounter that he had one time while doing it. Wow, isn't that amazing? They, I was. There's a thing we can do where we can get into the Spirit. You can hear things. You can see things. I'm telling you, already, I'm already telling you, the Lord told me, you're going to tell some people this, and they're going to scoff, and they're going to think you're crazy. I want to tell you, you're crazy because it's in the Bible. Look at, okay, well, that was John. Look at 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 4. Look what Paul said. The boasting will do no good. I must go on. I will reluctantly tell you about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven. Look what Paul said. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Can I tell you one of the characteristics? Paul, it went into the third heaven. You know where the third heaven, I'm not going to break all this theology down for you, but that's that's where God, that's where the throne is. So look at how real this experience was for Paul. He said it was so real, it was so clear what I saw, it was so clear what I experienced that I actually couldn't even make a distinction of whether I was physically there in my body or I was in my spirit, I don't know. Wow. Wow, talk about Christians that spend their whole life praying to somebody that's no, nothing more than just a, fig, a figure that's in a book. Well, I know Jesus. He's just some guy I read about in a book. No, you can actually know him and encounter him. And it's so real. It's just like talking to Brother Tanner or talking to you right now. It's so, the things that you can encounter with the Lord. And can I tell you what's amazing I didn't even cover this, but in Hebrews, what we were reading a moment ago, that we can come because of Jesus, our high priest. Did you know that when you're born again, you have open access? Yeah. That the blood of Jesus gives you open access into the presence of God. You know what that means? You can do what John did in Revelation 1. You can go and worship the Lord in the Spirit. <laughs> you can actually go in the Spirit and encounter. I Man, it's just so amazing to me. So Paul said, whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. Look at another encounter Paul had in Galatians chapter 1. Look what he says in 11 and 12. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message that I preach is not based off of mere human reasoning. Why is it not, Paul? Verse 12, I received my message from no human source. No one taught me. Instead, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what's amazing about this? Paul said he received it from Jesus. You know that. You know we're not. What's the word? You uh, is it Unitarian or oneness? No, we're not oneness. The Bible doesn't teach that. There's three parts to God: the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. They're three distinct, separate. They're one. They're unified, but they're not the same thing. The same person. When Jesus was baptized, it said the heavens were opened up and and he heard the voice of the Father speak and and the Holy Ghost descended upon him like a dove. So in one segment, you have all three persons of God represented separately, okay? So what I love is the reason I'm telling you that is this is interesting to me. Paul didn't say that the Holy Ghost taught him the message. He said Jesus taught him the message. How is that possible? Jesus had already resurrected and ascended into heaven. What does that mean? In the spirit, Paul was able to go and see the glory, which is in the face of Jesus, face to face, go before the glory, go before the throne of God, and Jesus taught him the gospel message, and he received it from no human being. Hallelujah. Y'all, when Christians start tapping into that, well, that's just a little too weird for me. Man, it's not too weird for me. It's awesome. You can't be normal and have encounters with God like that. You know, the Lord led me down this rabbit trail this morning where I began to study this out, and he sh- it's just like the Holy Ghost just started showing me all these examples. You know what I did? I went and tested it. I went and put it into practice. I said, Lord, okay, okay. You know, then I'm I'm gonna enter into the spirit. I'm gonna come before your throne and, and I'm gonna tell you something that was astounding that took place. Um so let me let me ask you this then. How do you enter in? Okay, so we enter in by the spirit. Now I'm gonna answer the question, how do you do that practically? By faith. I want you to put Romans 5 2 in the New King James Version up. Make sure it's the New King James, Romans 5.2. You already got it up. Look at this. So you're like, how do we enter into the throne room and come before the throne of God and come before the face of Jesus? How do we do that? Through whom also we have access. Say access. How do we have access? By faith. Say faith. Into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Wow, so by faith I have access in which we stand. How can I stand before Jesus face to face and hear things and see things and, and receive things from him? By faith. Well, let me answer this question then. What does that mean? How do you use your faith? Look what Paul said in Second Corinthians four thirteen. He said, but we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. Say, so I spoke. So you use your words to enter into the glory of God. What do I mean? I'm going to show you very practically. Father, I thank you that right now, my spirit enters into your throne room. Father, I thank you that right now, even though I don't see anything in my flesh, I thank you right now, I come in my I come in the spirit before the face of Jesus Christ. And then what do I do? I believe what I'm saying. I believe that I'm that literally I'm in the presence of God. I believe by faith. I believe, therefore I speak. That's how you use your faith is your words. By faith, we have access. So by our words, we have access. We enter in and we stand. And you know what happened? I began to do that, and I had a supernatural encounter. I mean, it was like so easy. I had a supernatural encounter with the Lord. When I began to press in with my words and believe and set my faith that I can have an encounter with Jesus and enter into that place, and then it happened. Hallelujah. I hope that somebody... Catches this tonight because it will just, I mean, I'm telling you, you'll start prophesying. You'll start coming to church saying, You'll never believe the things that the Lord told me. You'll never believe the things that I saw and that I heard. It'll just blow your mind. This is for every believer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, Lord. So, again, the thing that I saw, it was just, it, it's, you know, I, I've never preached anything like this, so it's not like this was just something that was already on my mind, and and because I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk about Donald Trump tonight, and I, you know, I really don't ever talk about that. Like as far as I was concerned, the ship sailed, and you know, I, I just, but I have to share with you the things that I saw. So let me write this down. My encounter with the Lord. After the Lord led me through this in the scripture, and I want to just show you, it's so important. Everything that I'm saying to you, I just backed it up with the Bible. I'm not just up here, you know, blubbering things out and and, and blasting things out that there's no ground for anything that I'm saying. Uh, so I did this, and I went before the Lord in the spirit. And what's so amazing, you think about this. In the book of Hebrews, it says we come before the throne of our gracious God. I was reading a Dake's Annotated Reference Bible, and it was talking about in the temple there was the mercy seat. And so in heaven, the Bible says that the earthly temple or ta- the earthly tabernacle was just a picture of what was already existed in heavens that, w- that was made in heaven without human hands. The book of Hebrews talks about the temple of the Lord that was made without human hands. So you have to understand, in, in the heavens, in heaven, in the third heaven, there's a physical, it's spiritual but physical. You know, it's it's a different physical than our physical. But, I mean, it's it can be seen, it can be touched, it can be experienced. There's a temple. And in that place, Christ sits on the mercy seat, where now he's our intercessor. That's why we have access to the presence of God, because he sits With his blood, he shed his blood. He sits on that mercy seat and gives us access into the presence of God where now we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Um, So I went before the Lord in the spirit, and I approached Jesus. I'm telling you, I, I saw it so clear. As I began to just pray and enter there with my words and my faith, I saw this take place. I approached Jesus. He didn't speak at first. Instead, he stood up. He was sitting on the seat. He stood up, and he walked over to a container that was holding several scrolls. So it was this big container. It, you know, I, I don't know what it was made out of, but there was these scrolls that were rolled up that were at least five foot, four or five foot tall. Uh, why are you blinking? It's about the size of my wife, I guess. And they were just they were just tied up, and they were, there was this container where these things were just sitting in there. So I, he gets up, and he goes, and I begin to approach him, and, and, and he doesn't say anything to me. He gets up, and he goes over, and he picks up this scroll, and he walks back over to me, and he unrolls the scroll in front of me like this. And on the scroll... What I saw first, it was like a living scroll, so it wasn't like a movie. It was like it was it was written, but it was moving. It was like a living scroll. What I saw first was a ship that was sunk, and then it was like it just faded out, and the scroll changed, and what I saw at the top of the scroll was Isaiah 45 written, and then I didn't read any of it but I knew Isaiah 45 was at the head of the scroll and then the rest of it it was just the it was the chapter Isaiah 45. So the scroll it changed to Isaiah 45. And Jesus then spoke and he said, "The word of the Lord declares the son of man is returning. I am returning soon." And then it was over. Hallelujah. Lord, give me help. You know, I understand when what I just read to you. Paul said, "I went into the heavens and I saw things that, you know, no man can really say." I'm 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 being honest with you. It's hard to even communicate some of the things that you see. Like it, it just it it doesn't work. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. But I get it when I read what Paul said. I'm like, Paul, I understand, kind of. I mean. I'm sure he had much more powerful encounters than I have yet. I'm still alive. i still got a long time to go. But um, so the scroll, it switched over. It said Isaiah 45. I don't know what the ship was about. I'm going to share the interpretation of what the Lord led me to through the scripture of what Jesus was saying to me. I don't know if the ship means we need to be watching and, and, and something's going to happen where A ship is going to sink, and it'll be confirmation of the word of the Lord. I don't know exactly what it means, but the first thing that I saw was a ship, and it had sunk into the water, and then the scroll changed, and it was Isaiah 45. And he said, the word of the Lord declares the Son of Man is returning. I am returning soon. And it was over. So... Before we move any further, I want you to turn to Ecclesiastes 1, 9 through 11. Go ahead and read it off here. It says, history merely repeats itself. It's all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say here's something new, but it's actually old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. So here's something that you need to learn. We need to understand what, what this is saying. The Bible says that history just repeat. History is just on a repetitive cycle. So that means, listen to this, everything that's happening right now, there's already a blueprint where it happened in the Bible. Everything that's going to happen, it's not new. When we enter into 2022 and we see things happening in government, things happening on the earth, things happening all over the place, we think, wow, this is some new thing nobody's ever experienced before. Nope, it's already happened. There's a blueprint for it in the Word of God. And so all throughout life, through human history, it's just the same patterns, the same stories, the same spirit on repeat, okay, So, I'm going to share with you Isaiah 45. So, let's look at Isaiah 45. I want to explain. I asked the Lord. My wife was asking me questions about this because I shared it with her, and she was asking me, so, do you think that Jesus was uh trying to show you when he's coming back again i said no i don't you know because the bible says no man knows the hour of the day not even the son himself only the father knows but you'll know by the times and the signs and so i did ask the lord that question and the holy spirit showed me this but i said lord then why did you tell me because when we read isaiah 45 it, it doesn't have anything to do with the second coming of the lord but he said, I, I said that, that, the Son of Man, the word, the, Lord, the word of the Lord declares, the Son of Man is returning again, and I'm coming soon. He said, I wanted you to hear that so that you would know where you're at on the timeline. Okay, so if you think about life on a, on a history, on a linear line, here's the beginning, here's the end, and he said, I'm coming soon. That means that we're close to the end. So then when he led me to Isaiah 45, it was because he was wanting to show me something, where we're at on the timeline, and I'm going to show you what we can expect to see in our country, what we can expect to see, I believe, in the next presidential election, what we can expect to see based off of what the Lord showed me in the word. And so Isaiah 45, I'd never even really studied or meditated on that more than just reading through it. Uh, But look at this. It's entitled, if you have an NLT like mine, it's entitled Cyrus, the Lord's Chosen One. Cyrus, the Lord's Chosen One. So, I want to say this to you. This was written about a man named Cyrus, but there is also another man in our time that the Lord has risen up that prophetically fits this description, that pattern, the Ecclesiastes 1, 9 through 11, the same pattern repeated, and that person is... Donald J. Trump. Cyrus, the Lord's chosen one. Okay, so let's read verses 1 through 13. This is what the Lord says to Cyrus, his anointed one, whose right hand he will empower. Before him, mighty kings will be paralyzed with fear. Their fortress gates will be opened, never shut it never to shut again this is what the lord says i will go before you cyrus and level the mountains i will smash down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron and i will give you treasures hidden in the darkness and secret riches i will do this so you will know that i'm the lord the god of israel the one who calls you by name and why have i called you for this work look at this why did i call you by name when you did not know me it is for the sake of Jacob, my servant, Israel, my chosen one. So think about this. The Lord said that there was this person named Cyrus. I'm going to give you some history. This was Cyrus was the king of Persia. He wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile king that the Lord anointed and used to deliver the Israelites out of Babylonian captivity. So he's like, why, why did I choose to call you even though you didn't know me? People have said the same thing. Well, you know, I I could never vote for Donald Trump. He's not really a good Christian. It it doesn't matter what he's done in his past. It's recognizing the hand of the Lord and what the Lord is doing, anointing a person. And this was interesting. This stuck out to me. It's for the sake of Jacob, my servant. Who's Jacob? Who is Jacob? Israel. He said, I am the Lord. There's no other God. I have equipped you for battle, though you don't know me. So all of the world from east to west will know that there is no other God, and I am the Lord, there is no other. I created the light, and I make the darkness. I send the good times and the bad times. I am the Lord, the one who does these things. I want you to skip down to verse 13. He says this, I will raise up Cyrus to fulfill my righteous purpose, and I will guide his actions. He will restore my city and free my captive people without seeking a reward. I, the Lord of heaven's armies have spoken. Hallelujah. So I want to give you some facts real quick about the correlation. again, Cyrus the king of Persian of, of Persia, Cyrus freed the Jews from Babylonian captivity. This is something interesting about Donald Trump if you just hold on to some of the things that we read. Donald Trump has been the greatest friend of Israel out of all United States presidents. Even so much that some Jews actually thought that he might be the Messiah. There's several Jews, you have to understand, that they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And he was such a friend to Israel. He restored and recognized Jerusalem in 2017 as Israel's capital. He moved the United States embassy back to Israel. He said, I will literally raise you up for the sake of Israel, or Jacob, my servant, I will restore my city and, my, and free my captive people. Hallelujah. You could just go through the, the list. I've heard other prophets talk about the same correlation before in the past. So another thing that Cyrus did, if we're going to look at a few things in a moment, but actively assisted the Jews in rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem restored temple treasures to Jerusalem. So we're going to read in the book of Ezra. I'm just going to kind of skip through a few verses that I want to show you and then give you the word of the Lord. But basically God raised up this king, this Persian king, and he he was anointed by God. He delivered the Israelites from the Babylonians. He brought them back home to Jerusalem. He helped rebuild their temple. He helped restore all the temple treasure. He was anointed by God. Hallelujah. Let me share this with you. So, look at Ezra chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. Do I still have you all tonight? If anything, the teaching on entering into the glory was worth the whole thing, right? Ezra 1, 1 through 7. In the first year. Of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it out throughout his kingdom. This is what the King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem. In Judah to rebuild this temple of the Lord, the God of Israel who lives in Jerusalem, and may your God be with you. Wherever the Jewish remnant is found, let their neighbors contribute (coughs) to their expenses by giving them silver and gold, supplies for their journey and livestock, as well as voluntary offering for the temple of God in Jerusalem." It says, then God stirred the hearts of the priests and Levites and the elders of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And all their neighbors assisted by giving them articles of silver and gold, supplies for their journey and livestock. And they gave them many valuable gifts in addition to all the voluntary offerings. King Cyrus himself brought out the articles that King Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the Lord's temple of his own gods. Cyrus directed, I don't even know, Mithridal, the treasurer of Persia, to count these items and present them to Shezabar, Shezbazar, and the leader of the exiles returning to Judah. Okay, hallelujah. So, kind of, let me kind of give you a recap of what's taking place here. The king's anointed, now all of a sudden the people are free and they're all flocking back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city and to rebuild the temple. So, if you skip over, chapter 2 is basically a list of the people and the things that they had. And so in chapter 3, I'm going to paraphrase this for you. As they go back, let me see my notes here. This is so fresh still. So what you're going to see in chapter 3 So I want you to think about this. Again, make the correlation, President Donald Trump with Cyrus. He's appointed as king. Now all of a sudden there's movement happening. Now all of a sudden he's taking everything that King Nebuchadnezzar stole and he's restoring it and people are waking up. And there's momentum and that's what you see in chapter 3. There's prosperity There's this time where the economy is better than it's ever been before. There's this time where production's better than it's ever been before. There's this season that they go through where everything that we saw in the first few years of Donald Trump's economy in the United States of America, you can look and see an impression of it in Ezra chapter 3. Amen. So what this is going to show us is where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. Okay, that's where we've been. Now, I want you to see this. In Ezra chapter 4, look what it's entitled. If you're in the NLT, it's called The Enemies Oppose the Rebuilding. This will blow you away. It blew me away, at least. It says, the enemies of Judah, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. The enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were rebuilding a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel. So they approached Zerubbabel and the other leaders, and said, let us build with you. Look at this. The, say enemies. enemies. Look what the enemies did. The enemy of the people came, and what did they say first? Let us build with you. Let's try to identify what we're at right now. You know that we have a false, I'm going to say it again, a false president that's not anointed for this time. And I may get to this in a moment, but Donald Trump is anointed to be president until the year 2024. I'll show you where this lines up in just a moment. But think about an enemy right now that's opposing the building, that's opposing what the Lord's doing, the work of restoring his people in this momentum and restoring the house of God. Hallelujah. You know, I think about that. I think that we kind of started moving into this liberal Just real woke culture, even in the church. And then when Donald Trump became president, he kind of helped restore America back to its roots and to its values. And people are like, hey, this guy's not afraid to say the truth. You know, we don't have to be a bunch of left liberal people. But think about this. The enemies oppose the rebuilding. So they approached and said, let us build with you. Think about who's in office right now. What was their slogan when they were running? Build back better. You see the correlation. Cyrus, appointed king. Prosperity, restoring God's house. The enemies begin to oppose, and they come in trying. We're going to help you build back faster. We're going to help you build back better. Wow. Wow. So look at this, let us build with you for we worship your God just as you do. We have sacrificed to him ever since king, oh man, Eshardon of Assyria brought us here. But look at this, but Zerubbabel, he was the high priest. Jeshua and the other leaders of Israel replied, Look at this, guys. This is why it's so important because this is where we're at right now, and this is what the leaders of the house of God must do. They replied, you may have no part in this work. We alone will build the temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, just as King Cyrus of Persia commanded us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, there's so much that we could talk about prophetically that that's why prophets' ministry is needed. So that, And I don't really believe a lot of people are really that misled. I think a lot of people are just choosing to compromise because it's the easier thing to do. But if we could look at that timeline and see what the enemy, they're coming, they're trying to oppose the rebuilding of God's house. And that's what God's doing right now. Rebuilding his house. Hallelujah. Restoring this nation. Restoring it. You think about this. Just think about the correlation. You know that there's two nations in history that are covenant nations that were built out of covenant. Israel was built. Israel was established in a covenant that God made because he loved his people. United States was established in a covenant because God's people loved him. So, there's two covenant nations that exist on the earth the United States of America and Israel. I'm not saying other people can't be saved, I'm talking about nations that were built from covenant. So, that's why, even when you look through the scripture, you can see so many parallels between the United States and Israel. So think about God. Think about even President Donald Trump. Think about Cyrus. This, we need to make America great again. We need to go back to the roots. We need to restore God's house. We need to restore God's nation. We need to come back to what we were built on. You saw this taking place. And it says, the enemies of Judah heard, and they said, let us help you build. You'll have no part in this work, the leaders of Israel said. Then look at verse 4. Then the local residents, check this out. The local residents tried to discourage and frighten the people of Judah to keep them from their work. First, let's build back better. No, we're not buying the build back better. Okay, you know what we're going to do? Then we're going to frighten you to keep you from your work. You still think this is just about a virus? You think this is still real? No, this is a fear tactic because fear gives you control. The devil understands that the United States of America, we have a document that prevents them from taking our rights. But if they can drive us into fear, they won't have to take our rights. We'll give them our rights in the name of protection, in the name of security. So they they came in, and they began to discourage them. To keep them from their work, discourage and frighten. Wow, man, that's just amazing. They bribed agents to work against them and to frustrate their plans. Wow, think about that. Think about what's going on behind closed doors. Think what's going on in foreign affairs. They bribed agents. These enemies that were here to oppose the rebuilding began to bribe agents to work against them. He thinks happening with China right now, happening with all these other countries. It doesn't make sense to me why we would shut down our oil supply and our nation and then begin to ship it in from another country. Why, how does that make sense? How? <laughs> they're bribing. I think there's so much. This is so fresh. I'm, I'm sure we could literally probably pull this apart, and and Tristan already got something I can see back there. But and the Lord was it would show us so much. But look at this, guys. This went on during the entire reign of King Cyrus. Say, King Cyrus. King Cyrus. Who is Cyrus? Donald J. Trump. Donald J. Trump, I'll say again, has been anointed by God to be president until 2024. This went on during the entire reign of King Cyrus. You saw that happen in Donald J. Trump's presidency. From day one, from day one, you saw this stuff taking place. And now we have a false president that's in the White House. He's not appointed by God, and I want to tell you, it's really true He's not graced by God to be the president. He doesn't have the hand of God on him to be the president. And if it, if he doesn't die, he's going to get really close to it. Because he's doing something without the hand of God. Guys, I want to tell you, you can have the hand of God and not be a Christian. Did you know that? We just read... In Isaiah 45, he said, why did I appoint you? God anointed Cyrus even though he was a pagan king of Persia that wasn't even a covenant man. So whether he knew the Lord or not, he, he was still graced to do what he was doing. There could have been presidents in the past that may have never have known God at all, but yet they were still graced. They were still placed there by God for a certain purpose. Joe Biden has not been placed there by God. So that means everything he's doing, he's doing in the flesh. I can't imagine running this church in the flesh, much less running the United States of America in the flesh. Why do you think it looks like he has worse dementia every time he comes on anything? I'm telling you, really. This went on during the entire reign of King Cyrus of Persia, and it lasted until King Darius. I'm going to show you something else now. Of Persia took throne. So we've identified where we were. We've identified where we're at. Now I'm going to show you where we're going. So if you look through, it says later on, opposition under, there's different kings of Persia that raised up. I looked up historically. That basically jumps you forward in the timeline, and then it comes back to what I'm trying to show you, to King Darius. So King Darius became the king after King Cyrus's rule was over. So I'm going to give you some insight in what I believe we're going to see take place in 2024. Donald Trump's anointed to be president until 2024. You know, I, I don't know. I think, what is it right now, 2022? We have a couple more years. I think we still have a couple more years of this foolishness. And I also think that God's grace, that's why I've heard many prophets say we need to pray for Donald Trump because we need to pray that he gets encouraged. We need to pray that he understands who he is and what he's been appointed to do and that he begins to stand up and fight because I believe that the Lord is with him and that with the right thing, I mean, it could be overturned and flipped. And he could still be reinstated because he's been appointed by God to do this right now. So don't give up praying. And so look at Ezra 4. I know, I know we're a few minutes past. I'm, I'm about done. Uh, no, I know. I just don't want to get these kids in trouble. I don't know. I know y'all are, parents are crazy nowadays. It's like 8, you know, 8 o'clock at night, and you should have been home six hours ago. Like, Mom, that's 2 in the afternoon. I get it, though. I mean, the world's crazy. I know we know some kids that they're not allowed to walk two blocks over to the church. And I was thinking when I was in school, I was like riding my bike clear across town in the fourth and fifth grade to go to school every day, across Avenue D and the main streets with all the traffic. But I'm like, what's wrong with these parents? But then I think, well, I mean, I'm not even that old, but the world has changed in 15 years and 10 years. And so uh, I'm going to finish with this. So you see, skip down to 424, Ezra 424. So you have these people that come in to oppose the rebuilding of God's city and God's house, that oppose Cyrus. And this is what you're going to pick up. So the work uh, on the temple of God in Jerusalem had stopped. That's where we're at. And it remained at a standstill until the second year of the reign of King Darius of Persia. I'm not telling you that God stopped moving, that God stopped doing things, but I'm telling you that it it does seem, as a country, that we we made all this progress, this momentum going forward, and it, it does. It seems like even since the election, everything's just stopped, like, all the progress we had just gained and, and the breakthrough and the amazing things, it just stopped. And it won't regain again until the second year of the reign of King Darius of Persia. So look at Ezra 5, 1 through 2. I want to show you what's going to shift this, what's going to change this. Ezra 5, 1 through 2. At that time, the prophets, say Prophets. Hagai and Zechariah stood, oh, I'm sorry, Zechariah, son of Ido, prophesied, say prophesied, to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem. They prophesied in the name of God of Israel who was over them. Zerubbabel, son of Shiltiel, and Jeshua, son of Jezodad, uh, <laughs> Jehozadak. Jehozadak responded, look at this, so the prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, began to prophesy to the people of God, and the high priest, the priest of the Lord, responded by starting again to rebuild the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them and helped them. Hallelujah. So what what, what took place? In Ezra chapter 5, we're going to read, but then Tetani, the governor, say governor, of the providence of West Euphrates River and Shethar Bozani, and the colleagues soon arrived in Jerusalem and asked, look at this, okay? Okay, look, look. the governor came to the people that started rebuilding the city And look what he said. Who gave you permission to rebuild the temple and restore this structure? So the prophets began to prophesy and the priests began to build again in spite of the governor's orders. Hallelujah. Anybody that stands up With a pulpit and a microphone and says, we just comply. And that's what God is saying in this out. They are lying straight from the pit of hell. That is the spirit of the devil. That's not not what the Holy Ghost is doing right now. You can't make this stuff up. How close these things just are in alignment with one another. So the prophets began to prophesy. I just think it's so amazing. We've stepped into a time where you've seen the prophets' ministry exploding like you've never seen before 20 years ago you had one or two guys that were prophets now it's like prophets are just popping up all over the stinking place and so the prophets began to prophesy and the people began to rebuild in spite of what the governor said who gave you permission to rebuild this temple and restore the structure So I'm going to continue to read. Let's see. So it says, verse 4, They also asked for the names of all the men working on the temple. But because, look at this, because their God was watching over them, the leaders of the Jews were not prevented from building until a report was sent to Darius and he returned his decision. So the governor's given them lip. Who gave you permission? You can't be building. You can't be doing what you're doing. And guess what? They did it anyways because the prophets prophesied. And you know what happened? Was the Lord against them? Did they burn in the fire? Did they get, you know, were they shut down by the government? Nope, they were allowed, even in that season where they weren't supposed to, according to their governor, they were allowed to continue to do it because the hand of the Lord was with them. Anybody that will stand, the hand of God will be with you. Hallelujah. We've seen the church, we've seen it happen in our church. I could tell you stories of 2020 of how we stood in our city and how the Lord gave us favor with our county judge when everybody was shut down. When we weren't supposed to be having indoor services where you don't have to wear a mask. And we've never made anybody wear a mask. Ever. And the Lord gave us favor. He allowed us to keep doing it. Hallelujah. Let's look at verse. uh, Let's keep reading. So, this is the copy that Tetanai, the governor of Shezar Bozani, and the other officials of the Providence of, west, of the west of the Euphrates River, sent to King Darius. So think about this. King Darius was the king that came after Cyrus. Who is Cyrus? Donald J. Trump. Just because you think was well, King Darius Joe Biden? Nope. Joe Biden has intruded upon Cyrus's reign. So it's not Joe Biden. It's the next election. You're going to see this. This is amazing. So King Darius, to King Darius, greetings. This The king should know that we went to the construction site of the temple of the great God in the province of Judah. It is being built with... Uh, specially prepared stones and timber and it is being laid in its walls the work is going forward with great energy and success we asked the leaders who gave you permission to rebuild this temple and restore the structure and we demanded their name so that we could tell you who the leaders were this was their answer we are servants of god of heaven and earth and we are rebuilding the temple that was built here many years ago by a great king of israel But because our ancestors angered God in heaven, he abandoned them to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, who destroyed this temple and exiled his people to Babylonia. However, King Cyrus of Babylon, during the first year of his reign, issued a decree that the temple of God should be rebuilt. King Cyrus returned the gold, the silver cups that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and he placed them in the uh, temple of Babylon. These cups were taken from the temple and presented to a man named Shezbollah, I'm uh, sorry, Shezbazar, whom King Cyrus appointed as governor of Judah. The king instructed him to return the cups to their place in Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple of God there on its original site. So this Shezabar came and laid the foundations of the temple of God in Jerusalem. The people have been working on it ever since, though it's not yet completed. Therefore, if it pleases the king, we request that a search be made in the royal archives of Babylon to discover whether King Cyrus ever issued a decree to rebuild God's temple in Jerusalem and then let the king send us his decision in this matter. So think about this. These opponents began to press Darius to search through the documents and see if, if the people of God had the right to do what they were doing. Hallelujah. This is going to show you where we're going. And you know what you're going to see in just a moment? that they literally were setting themselves up for destruction because when King Darius began to look through those documents to see if those people had the right to do what they were doing, he actually found out that these people didn't have the right to do a lot of the stuff that they were doing. And the, 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 the grave that the enemy dug for the people of God, he fell in himself. You're going to see this. This is so amazing. This will tell you where we're going we use search and find the documents to see if Cyrus really said that if they really if they really have permission to be doing what they're doing in defiance of what we say so king darius issued orders that a search be made in the babylonian archives which were stored in the treasury but it was at the fortress of ech oh. Batana in the province of media that a scroll a scroll was found and this is what it said. Verse 3, in the year of King Cyrus' reign, a decree was sent out concerning the temple of God in Jerusalem. Let the temple be rebuilt on the site where the Jews used to offer their sacrifices using the original foundations. Its height will be 90 feet. Its width will be 90 feet. Every three layers of specially prepared stones will be topped by a layer of timber. All expenses will uh, will be paid by the royal treasury. Furthermore, the gold and silver cups which were taken to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar from the temple of God in Jerusalem must be returned to Jerusalem and put back where they belong. Let them be taken back to the temple of God. So King Darius sent out this message. Now, therefore, Tetani, the governor of the province west of Euphrates River, and Shesar Bozani And your colleagues and the other officials west of the Euphrates River, stay away from there. Do not disturb the construction of the temple of God. Let it be rebuilt on its original site and do not hinder the governor of Judah or the elders of the Jews in their work. Leave them alone. Moreover, I hereby decree that you are to help. Not only are you to leave them alone, you are to help these elders of the Jews as they rebuild this temple of God. You must, how are they going to help? You must pay the full construction costs without delay from my taxes collected in the province west of the Euphrates River so that the work will not be interrupted. Give these priests in Jerusalem whatever is needed in the way of young bulls, rams, male lambs. For burnt offerings presented to God of heaven, and without fail, provide them with with so much wheat, salt, wine, and olive oil as they need each day. Then they will be able to offer acceptable sacrifices to God, to the God of heaven, and pray for the welfare of the king and his sons. Those who violate this decree in any way will have a beam pulled from their house, and they will be lifted up and impaled on it, and their houses will be reduced to a pile of rubble. May God, who has chosen the city of Jerusalem as the place of honor for his name, destroy any king or nation who violates this command and destroys this temple. I, Darius, have issued this decree. Let it be obeyed with all diligence. Hetani, the governor of the province of West of the Euphrates River, and his uh, associates, colleagues, at once, they complied at once with the command of King Darius. So the Jewish elders continued their work, and they were greatly encouraged by the preaching of the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, son of Ido. The temple was finally finished, as it had been commanded by God of Israel and a decree of Sirius, Darius, uh, and the other kings of Persia. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to read this word, and I want to pull some more things out. I wrote this. So something that you see, Darius came and finished the work that Cyrus started. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What can we expect coming for? We saw where we were. We saw where we are. We see where we're going. There is one coming. Darius is coming. And what is he going to do when he comes? He is going to finish the work that Cyrus started. Hallelujah. You know, I'm not saying who this is, but I told, I told Chris. I said, I'll be danged if Ron DeSantis doesn't become president in 2024. Crickets, anybody? Darius is coming, and he will continue the work of Cyrus. Look at this. One will come and search the documents, and the governor and the enemies of the children of God will be silenced by these documents. What is this document? What is this? Think about it in application of where we're at, the Declaration, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the, the documents that we have that preserve our rights in this nation. There's coming a time where somebody, where Darius is going to step into office and this left, and these enemies of the people of God that are opposing the rebuilding are going to cause him and pressure him and file these lawsuits and have these things examined. Do they really have the right to do these things? And when fully examined, they're going to come back. This will not only free the people of God, but will cause the enemy to fall into the hole that he dug for the church of the Lord. When Darius searched the documents and uses them, when Darius, I'm sorry, searches the documents and uses them to, uh, to back the people of God. You know what else happened? This will be where the wealth transfer takes place, where the wealth of the wicked is is used, and it's used to pay for the construction of the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's been a word that's been prophesied many times. The Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. There's been many prophets that have been talking about that we'll see in this move of God that's going to take place a wealth transfer that happens. And we always wonder, when is that going to happen? When is that going to take place? Well, Darius comes after Cyrus, and when Darius comes, he actually stripped the wealth away from the wicked and made them use their wealth to finance and build the house of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I had this encounter with the Lord today. Thank you, Father. Lord, let this word go out. Let everybody that has ears to hear, let them hear. Everybody that has eyes to see, let them see. Let them receive this word in their spirit. Father, I thank you that though we may be opposed and though there may be an imposter in the White House, he's not anointed. He's not Cyrus. This is not his time. This is not his appointed time. Lord, Then we can continue in your work, and we will go forward with your hand. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that you showed us in your word that there is a shift that's taking place. That there is another great move of God that will take place in the United States of America. This, this, this country will not just end in, in, in destruction. It will not just end and, and be trampled on by the enemy. That there is one that is coming that will overturn every single thing that we see. Hallelujah. Thank you that our Constitution will be preserved. Father, thank you that the Holy Ghost helped write those documents. And that those documents will stand behind the church. <laughs> Father, and I just prophesy this, that there will be many people, they begin to file those lawsuits and, 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 and pursue those legal areas and say, do they really have the right to do what they're doing? And when the documents are examined, they're going to say, you're dang right they have the right. And in fact, everything that you've been doing, now you're going to pay for it. Now you're getting prosecuted for it. You pressed us to look into this thing, and when we began to look into it, you're getting prosecuted because you've been breaking the law for many years now. Hallelujah. Every word that the prophets have been speaking, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. Look at Isaiah 45. I want to say this last thing. The Lord led me to Isaiah 45, and it's about raising up Cyrus, but I want you to see this as well. Look at verse, I want to uh, look at two verses here. Um, Verse 19, the Lord says, I publicly proclaim bold promises and I do not whisper obscurities in some dark corner. I would have not told the people of Israel to seek me if I could not be found. I, the Lord, speak only what is true and I declare only what is right. Look at verse 23. I have sworn by my own name and I have spoken the truth. I will never go back on my word. Every knee will bend to me. Every tongue will declare allegiance to me. Another, uh, another verse I was looking for, but he talked about how literally he said, I will fulfill everything I've spoken to my prophets. And I declare declare that word right now. Everything the prophets have said where there's so many Christians that have just gotten discouraged because we haven't seen it play out. Well, thank you, Lord, for showing us a timeline that we have got wisdom and, and insight into exactly what's happening right now. That we're not just lost in the dark saying, what the heck? Lord, I guess you didn't foresee this happening. No, Lord, you showed us exactly what's going on. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your direction. Thank you for your wisdom hallelujah hallelujah in Jesus name amen thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the word of God if you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry you can do so in the following ways for credit or debit go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign, capital N-B-C-H-T-X-20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.